I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online podcast. Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's tremendous episode with my friend, Mr. J.P. Sears. I dig J.P. He has been on this program three times now, and uh, he's great. He's His background originally, you can say he's an emotional healing coach. He's got a legitimate clinical background, and he's really talented in those realms of actually working with clients or patients, you could say. Um, and then he became famous, famous is a funny word, became famous for um, his Awaken with JP mocking spirituality videos on YouTube and all that stuff. I'm sure you guys have seen him before. Uh, he's rad, he's insightful, and this conversation goes into a variety of directions. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for checking out the website, alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com. Thanks for jumping on and starting the five-day movement challenge, breaking down five fundamental things that everybody ought to be doing in their physical situation each day. Um, thanks for reviews on iTunes. Thanks for telling your friends, and thanks for joining you. This conversation was recorded in Austin, Texas, over at JP's place, and uh, really fun. It's also released over on JP's podcast as well, Waking with JP. Uh, final thing, I wanted to thank Ned uh, for supporting this podcast. Ned is, I think, some of the most high highest quality CBD oil that I have come across, uh, and the people that put it together are rad as well. I actually just got off the phone with them today, and uh, it's cold extracted. It's single source farmed. Um, it is like truly made with love, intention, care, all that stuff. And you can get 15% off using the Align code. So you go to helloned.com slash Align and you'll get 15% off on any of your purchases. Highly recommend checking their oil out and just giving it a go. Doing just one uh, dropper each day to start. It's beneficial for sleep and inflammation around joints and things like that. I would take a crack at it and just see what you think. Um, I think that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. Thanks for telling your friends once again, redundantly. Uh, enjoy the show. Pow. Align Podcast. Yeah, we're recording. Boom. All right, I'm recording on this side, recording that side. All right, so you've thrown up in your mouth mm-hmm. adequately. I'm heavy breathing into the microphone. Yeah. We have Topo Chico's. Yeah. That is basically all the things they say to do. We're all dialed in. And so, Aaron, I would like to welcome you to your podcast. Yep. And I'd like to welcome me to my podcast. And mostly I wanted to say that first because this conversation is going out on both our shows so that I could establish a position of like alpha male over you between our two shows. Yep. How's that feel? That feels good. <laughs> I notice I'm starting to look down in a way as you're saying this, just to yeah, your sho- feed into that. And your shoulders are kind of slumped. I'm doing forward. it intentionally. I'm aware of it. It's because you're. <laughs> it's because you're scared right now. You know, you only have like 80 pounds more muscle on me, but it's the size of the fight and the dog, not the size of the dog in the fight. Yep. From what I understand. See what I just did? I just put my shoulders back, pulled my my genitals slightly out into the side exposing my anyways you're so good at manipulating (laughs) how i think of you through your body language but man i'm so grateful we're able to have this connected conversation together in person here in austin so man so good to be with you in person yeah man i appreciate it do you think about body language with people as you're communicating i do i do In, in I wouldn't say obsessively, and I'm certainly not well-versed in intricacies, but when I'm with people, I'm, I'm surprised how aware I am of how am I standing, because I, I want to kind of embody how I feel in the situation. So, you know, I'm typically I just like to stand up and also be in a, a connected position with yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, man. I'm really interested in that subject. I think it's fascinating, like all of the, the movement that we're doing, the subconscious movement that we're doing. There's like, um, read recently, Larry King, he specifically 
they did they they ran videos watching the way that he would communicate to his guests and when there was people that would be in a more superior position than him he would match his tone to them yeah and eye contact and it would, he would he would start to mirror them like neurolinguistic programming type yeah. talk and then when it was an inferior thing the inverse happens yeah and it's just a fascinating thing how we're like we're always doing that we're kind of we're to 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 kind of show each other who's in what role and yeah. it's super fascinating it, it, it's it's very weird how much of that goes on without us knowing it mm -hmm. and and i'm curious your take on this and the the nlp mirroring thing yeah. that you just mentioned i like to call it nilping mm. it's just save time yeah. but so i notice like when when so, like I lean back and then someone else leans back, like, okay, now they're mirroring me. That, that means like I'm the alpha in the situation to be simple. Is that true? Wow, that's that. And then I notice when, you know, someone crosses their legs and then I cross my legs, then I'm like, oh, wow, I, sh I just did that. Then I'll intentionally not do that yeah. to like break that pattern. I don't know why I do that, why I break the pattern, or if that's good, but I'm curious your opinion on that. Yeah. Well, so one thing with with the mirroring, if you do the inverse of them, so it goes like against the mirror pattern, yeah. apparently that can be like disturbing to people. It'll like that'll be annoying. And now like the, the, the opposite thing will happen. I annoy people a lot. So yeah. <laughs> well, what, I is, think that, what is I so think abrasive the, about think, JP's presence? <laughs> ah, now we know. But I think that's important as well. You know, like I think that's the value of having a poet or having an artist or having someone, you know, it's like the there, there's certain ants that go out in to explore, you know, and then there's other ones that stay home and work on the home. Like I think like honestly, I think that's like the role of the gesture in the world. Like someone we have to kind of maintain the tribe. Yeah. We have all the people that maintain the tribe. And then there's a few people that cross their legs the other direction. They're just like, screw the tribe. I'm exploring. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, your, your gut dang gesture as far as archetypes go. And, and I think when, when the jester does the pattern interrupts, I think it brings self-awareness like, Oh, he, like I saw him just do the opposite of what I expected. So I think that tends to make people more aware of what they're doing because they just kind of woke yeah. up to the the contrast of it. Yeah. What, as far as archetypes, I'm curious with your your being so into the movement and bringing that as a great blessing into people's lives. What archetype do you think you embody the most? Mm. Man, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so started off. I think empath isn't an archetype, but I think like I'm kind of more chameleon-ish these days than I've been. I don't know what the specific archetypes are. What are the archetypes? So the chameleon would be someone with no sense of self and no soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, what are the archetypes? Dude, there, <sighs> there's so many of them. I just say archetype just to sound smart. I don't well, actually know what I'm talking about. Well, me either, but here's the thing. <laughs> Here's how it rolls in JV's world. I think an archetype, it, there's so many of them. I think it's just something that you can define yourself. And I think any metaphor you create to represent a pattern in you is an archetype. So I think you just, like the chameleon archetype. Yeah. It, well, I wanted to be sense. warrior. Yeah. Like growing up, certainly. Like growing up, it was like pack on as much by like. So I grew up in a place where very traditional type home, you know, and Christian background, all that, which, which uh, you grew up in a similar, at least from the religious yeah. perspective as well. And then my dad got into drugs and prostitution and he ended up going to prison. And I had kind of like the world, like fall out from under me type thing. Yeah. And in that, I think there was this combination of like abandonment and, you know, a loss of my, my, my physical material home that manifested itself into this this stacking on muscle, like protecting the biological home. Yeah. You know, and so like warrior archetype to me is what felt strong and masculine and, you know, like an anchor point. Yeah. But that was just like a band-aid, I think. Like a compensatory archetype. Totally. You live that a compensatory as a archetype. Yeah. I think for me, I almost did the opposite. Like when I was going through my tumultuous times as a child and how that 
looked for me. There was various times where my parents were splitting up, getting back together, and doing that a few times. And what that that like brought out of me in compensation, because like I felt weak and scared and insecure and didn't know how to be vulnerable with that. Like yeah. what what seven or eight year old does. So I think I became the lover archetype in in compensation for that, where I tried to be there for other people as both the rescuer and the lover. I learned to be like kind of like really tender and compassionate, at least pretend compassionate. And yeah. and I think conspicuous compassion. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then I feel like in now in my adult life, I'm needing to really intentionally develop the warrior archetype because I feel like that oh, was wow. something maybe I don't know how innate in me that is. I mean, it's innate in all of us, but what percentage, I don't know. But that the warrior archetype where you just fucking scream and you totally. you're unapologetic for who you are and what you're you're not afraid of confrontation that's something i'm really having to work on like the hey i can be tender and compassionate and empathize that comes easy to me and i think that was part of how i compensated as a child to try to bring stability to my experience of life and so you brought stability as a child through becoming the warrior protecting artificial plastic yeah. yeah, like imbalanced, unstable warrior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we wheels like... about to fall off. <laughs> yeah, like no actual ammo in anything. Yeah, no. Large appearing weapons. Absolutely. <laughs> I think as it is for all of us when we're kids doing our compensatory thing, I usually, I use the analogy, you ever see kids like, there's like the pretend steering wheel yeah. that the parents might set them up with like in their car seat in the back seat, but the child like, yeah, I'm driving here, aren't I? Yeah. They're not in control. They're, they're not making any difference in their actions, but they get to feel a sense of being in more control, even though they're not. Yeah. I, I think that's that was the case for me. Do you ever stew on the impact of our delayed entry into humanhood as people? Like we have this this long this prolonged childhood as modern people since yeah. you call it like the industrial age where you have this you know little miniature car and miniature plastic knife yeah. where like for most of history it's like if you're a human you're part of the tribe like let's let's get you integrated as soon as we possibly can. Yeah. Now we have this fear of integrating youth into into you know being like them themselves. Yeah. You're stewed on that at all? You know, I don't stew on it. I think I just apathetically accept it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I wonder what the effect. Well, I you know I think with with the traditional tribal societies, not that I've ever been in one. Not in this lifetime, anyway. You never know. <laughs> but I think I imagine most of them would have very definitive rites of passage, where it's like, okay, your your childhood essentially ends now. Now you're a man, and because we we don't have those, we have the prolonged childhood. Most of us never actually got to live truly as children. So here in this prolonged childhood, I think part of it is we might be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and we're learning to become childlike for the first time, hmm. which means like, okay, we, we've hurried up and grown up to become this artificially flavored adult where like you were like, okay, I'm the warrior. I'm, and then for me, like, okay, I'm rescuing everybody, even though I'm eight years old. So I'm not an adult, but I have the artificial flavored sense of being an adult, which means I pretty much abandoned my own childhood, at least unconsciously. And now, you know, whatever version all of us live on that, now we're adults, maybe needing to recover our childhood, go through it for the first time authentically, even though we're older, and then figure out simultaneously or thereafter how to become an adult, what's important to us in this life, what gives us meaning and what purpose do I have and, and how can I live that while contributing? So I think with, with what you brought up, I'm, I'm certainly aware of it. And, and I think I, I, it's how it is right now for most of us. 
And I think it has purpose. It's seemingly different than how we would have been living in a tribal society, though. Thought experiment. <clears throat> that it is. No, no, this is a thought experiment to come. It, that, that was <laughs> that it is. <laughs> um, what could have been done, say, thirty years prior to Michael Jackson's kind of uh, what's his what's it, Fairyland? What is it called? Is that the documentary? Yeah, yeah. The, never, 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 never. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think you could do if this was like some type of psych study, say, thirty years prior to kind of that? to ameliorate some of those things to restore Michael Jackson or was any perfectly healthy place and there's nothing, no problems in Never Never Land. Well, and, and I'd love your take on it too. First off, what comes to me is I don't think the problem with Michael Jackson started with Michael Jackson. I think it was his father feeling so weak and inadequate about himself that he had this son and other children too, but it turned out to be Michael's the star. So he had this son who had this amazing talent and it dad figured out the more I live through him, the more I sacrifice my son and his childhood for who he is, sacrifice that in order to make him what I want him to be, the more powerful I feel, says maybe the inner voice of the dad. Yeah. I think that's, that's very abusive under the guise of empowerment and stardom. But I think really what you got to do is go back a generation and heal the wounds of his father that made him live through his son in compensation for what he didn't know how to give himself. Mm. And I think there's more to be added, but you know, I, I'm, I'm curious your answer to that pretty intriguing question. I was hoping you wouldn't turn it around. Um, but something that I found interesting, this isn't really a direct answer to that by any means, but there is um, a story of a guy in, I think it was in Kauai, one of, one of the, the Hawaiian islands. And there was this um, psychiatric clinic and they were having all these issues and all these, these patients coming through. And then his last name wasn't Lee. We'll have to look it up. I don't know if you have show notes, but I have show notes. We can we can look up what the, the actual. There's like a YouTube. We do have show again. notes oh, on the Awaken with JP series good. show. Perfect. Good, perfect. On the line, we, we'll get them in there too, so you can you can flip a coin. Um, you know, but within that, one of the, what this this uh, counselor came and did that was apparently like miraculously helpful for the people at the clinic was he would just sit with the people and he would feel in this sounds like some meta out there new age stuff but you know here we go um, but he would feel into what the condition was with the person and work within himself to mm. heal that part of himself and apparently like check out the youtube videos and like read about it it's, it's i mean it's it's an interesting thing to just just kind of check into but apparently within you know a few years it had huge, huge impact, huge improvement on this place, like more than the, what they've ever seen to the point that I think there was some miraculous things like the, the closed down and all the people were, this is the part that I, I'm not positive about yeah. whether it actually closed down, money closed down for other reasons, but huge impact on this place based it, off it, of him being the surrogate, doing all the healing, doing on himself. the healing on himself. So as opposed, wow. so as opposed, and I, I kind of think that's an interesting thing. Like it's almost like a service or a role that we have for our, our lineage, like you mentioned, you know, so it's like, it's a, like we're attached to healing our parents. You know, if our parents have pain and trauma and all that stuff, it's like really challenging for me personally, you know, for a, I think a person in general, you know, and it, it's, it's, I think that you can kind of flip that you know, and look at it as like, instead of it being like, I have to heal them, yeah. perhaps I can look within myself because I'm an extension of them. Yeah. You know, which isn't an answer or response. I don't know what I would do with Michael Jackson. <laughs> my Let me just drop, drop some wisdom and <laughs> apologize. For I'd that. like to divert into well, an anecdotal story. And, and I, I think <laughs> that, that, that study that I haven't seen that you referenced. It was a study. It, it's a story. Which but it's I, a real story. Look it up. It sounds Show more notes. scientific if we call this story a study. Yeah, right. good point, good point. This, so this scientifically validated study <laughs> that Aaron Alexander is definitely referencing. Definitely right. um, to me, that exemplifies 
Gandhi's wisdom, be the change you wish to see in the world. And yeah. I think that that is such an eternally true and wise statement that w it's easy for me to trivialize and be like, yeah, that's awesome, Gandhi, but it doesn't really make impact. But I think it does. And I think this story really shows like, wow, when you notice the the issues that other people have, and instead of going outward, like, let me help you, you go inward and say like, okay, what's my version yeah. of their story? What's my version of their issue? Let me clear that energy in me. I, I think that's powerful. And, and I think that does impact other people. It sounds a little airy fairy and it sounds pretty valid to me. Yeah. And, and I think the, yeah, I, th I think it was John, Thee, the founder of Touch for Health uh, uh, Kinesiology, who's a chiropractor, he said everything affects everything. That's what a holistic mindset is, both within the body and outside in the body. So if if you heal something about you, then maybe John Thee, I'm putting words in his dead mouth, maybe he would say, like, how would that not impact the people around you? Maybe the question is, do you have an awareness of how you're impacted when someone else heals one of their issues? But, you know, I, I really think your story testifies to how much we can create positive change by getting radical with our self-responsibility, doing our own healing. I think it paradoxically seems like it's only about us, but I think that actually contributes a powerful change to the world around us. Well, it's just more efficient. <laughs> you know, I gotta go all the way out. Yeah, you know, I gotta meet with them. I got, you know, and I think I think as well if you have a charge around a thing, you know, if something really irks you about somebody, it means there's probably some unfinished business within yourself. Yeah, you know, I think that's always really interesting. Like the things that you're just totally neutral about, you're like, oh, cool, you're you're healed there. You're good. Yeah, you know, but the things that you're really like, no, that's not okay. Yeah. You're like. All right. Well, here we are. Now we know. Like, let's let's begin. For sure. The old wisdom that says <laughs> what you like about other people and what you don't like about other people is truly what you like and don't like about yourself. And I think that emotional charge, whether it's like you're elated or you're freaking deflated and you're angry and resentful, I think that is the obnoxious messenger saying, hey, JP, there's something about you that you're not right with, that you're experiencing in the mirror of this other person. Is there anything that stands out for you that irks you, charges you? I, I hate asking this question because I feel like you're probably going to reverse it. Maybe not now that I said that. We're doing some kind of reverse. You, uh, if you mirror my body posture, <laughs> I will not re-ask re you. All right. Uh, the the thing that irks me the most about other people, certainly not about myself, mm -hmm. is lack of self-responsibility. I would call it self-induced victimization. You know, not true victimization if right. someone hurts you, bullies you physically, emotionally. What, not that, but the, the outrage culture that we live in where there's a tendency a lot of the times for people to victimize themselves blame other people for it, and then they put themselves into a position of disempowerment so that they can feel the illusion of power by becoming significant through being the biggest victim in the room. And that really irks me when I see it happening with other people. So that really means there's something about me where I do that. And as much as I grind my teeth and clench my fists like, no, that's what annoys me most. Of course I don't do that. I think because I have so much shame about it, I conceal it the most. Thus, I need to project it onto other people the most and have it show up in my awareness so I can have the opportunity to do something about it. And I think for me in my life, where that shows up oftentimes is within my relationship with Amber, mm. where, you know, she'll you know, I'll notice like she didn't take the dogs out at all today. And I've taken them out like five times. So I'm victimizing myself, yeah. like making her a little bit wrong so I can be a little bit victimized. So I'll do little things like that, which I think are ripples from my childhood. Do you see where it comes from? Have you, have you, you know, I think how helpless I felt at certain times as a kid 
you know, one example that I've already referenced when my parents were splitting up, getting back together, you know, life felt really unstable. I felt so, uh, so incapable of being truly in control in that situation. So, and I also felt like a victim, like my world's kind of being split apart here. Yeah. Nothing I can do about it. So I think by victimizing myself unconsciously, like Amber didn't take the dogs out, like poor me, like I'll, I'll get a little angry about that. That allows me to feel in control. Like, yeah, if I'm victimizing me, then other people can't victimize me because that makes me feel really out of control and scared if someone else is victimizing me, mom and dad, you know, splitting apart, yep. no control over that. But if I can victimize me, I get to feel in control, even though I'm disempowering myself, I get the illusion of comfort because, hey, man, I'm the one doing it to me. And guess what? I won't even see that I'm the one doing it to me because that's part of the trick I play on myself to keep this pattern going. Is your so you have a, a, a great depth, I would say, in I'm very deep Eric. in this in this whole like <laughs> psychoanalytical. You know, you have a, an ability to to analyze things from all these different angles. Does that ever get in your way, dude? I... <laughs> no, dude. I I think with great power comes great responsibility. His Spider-Man's uncle once said. <laughs> and I, I think when we have the power of self-awareness, like whatever level of self-awareness I have about this issue, let's call that a, a certain level of power. And, and where the great responsibility comes in, I think is being aware of how my ego wants to take that and use that in a manipulative way. Yeah. So you know, it, as aware as I am, I think my ego uses that for its own means. And then I think then the need to become aware of how my ego is using my true self-awareness in egotistical ways drives greater self-awareness. So we, we achieve a certain level of call it enlightenment. Then our ego starts to gratify itself. Then we become aware of how our ego gratifies itself with the enlightenment which actually helps perpetuate our enlightenment further. So, yeah, I, I think, I think. long story short, I think self-awareness for me is something I use for me and my ego also uses it against me. What's your, Do you talk about things of, of like plant medicines and things like that on your program? Uh, okay, I call but... it a podcast. A program makes me feel <laughs> like we're running some PBS... <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, I love to be real. Plant yeah. medicines, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your experience been with that in relation to kind of like the psychoanalytical babble compared to like the, the deep presence? Yeah, man. So I think this is uh, the first time on any podcast, certainly mine, that I've talked about my most recent ayahuasca journey uh, about a month ago in Costa Rica with Amber and a group. And that was profound for me. And just to make reference, I think in previous podcasts, I remember one with Kyle Kingsbury. I said, yeah, I've had one ayahuasca experience and it wasn't that powerful. Mm. It was a beautiful experience, but not that transformative. Like, Okay, fast forward last month, it was one of the most transformative experiences of my life. Mm -hmm. And it really helped me see with, with such clarity through my ego's delusions. Like I was, you know, Amber and I were having conversations before the experience where it's like, man, I feel like I'm taking all the responsibility for things in relationships. I'm, I'm just supporting her. I'm not getting enough in return. And that's how it was through my perception. And by the way, I can look at that and be like, wow, that was part of how I was victimizing myself. Then through the ayahuasca experience amongst other revelations, I mean, I can't say enough about it. I, I got to feel and see so clearly, holy shit, Amber supports me so much more than I support her. 
it, it was just profound, mind-boggling, because, I mean, I literally had to boggle my mind so I could see a reality beyond the distorted perceptions of my mind. What was the, What's the support? What's that? How's that show up? That's a... That's a good question. It, for me, it's like, a, it's how a candle supports a flame. It just, it's something yeah. that the way Amber supports me, I would say it's so profound that it's mostly not measurable. It's not like, hey, babe, cool, I'll pay for, let me support you financially, yeah, JP. It's like the easy stuff. It, and it's not doing chores. That's the easy shit to recognize. And yeah. that's the stuff I was saying, like, babe, I'm paying for I'm more. it. Which is why that would be that would flash for you because there's that underlying yeah. knowingness. Hundred percent. Yeah. So w- during that, I don't know why I said ness. It it's <laughs> it's. I feel knowing. the I feel the e- I feel the essence it when felt, you say it ness. felt right. It feels more Deepak Chopra when you say ness. <laughs> but during the ayahuasca ceremony which sounds ridiculous just hearing myself say it and I'm going to own it because it was very profound to me. I got to feel what Amber does to me. That's not measurable. It's not the objective, like this many hours of chores. It was just this profound, like, wow, she sacrifices so much and she holds me up to the spotlight. And it's just like, wow, she glorifies me. Mm. And man, I was just so humbled by it. And I, at this point, I forgot the question, but... No, that was it. You nailed it. What was her, how, how did her experience relate? You know, case in point, she, she had a much lower dose of ayahuasca during that ceremony because she wanted to be in a service-supporting role for me. Cla- Fucking class- Amber. Classic Amber. Full circle, bro. <laughs> like, damn it. This really adds up. Fuck. Thought I supported her. I don't. I paid for the trip. I mean, I'm literally laying in her lap as she's supporting me. I think I'm dying part of the time. And she she really dedicated her time and her sacred space to supporting me at all levels, which really just made it so I would have to be an absolute idiot to see and feel that amazing lesson. And I'm curious with with your plant medicine experiences, what have been some of the the biggest like slap you on the middle of the third eye takeaways that have impacted you the most? So I was talking, so I, I did a thing with Kyle Kingsbury today, a, a program a podcast, and he loves talking about plant medicine. That he does. <laughs> and I love, I love listening to him. It's it. great. Yeah. So we were talking and I was like, we were talking about other stuff and he mentioned, he mentioned the word plant medicine like four times throughout. <laughs> and then finally, like 25 minutes in, I'm like, so how does, uh, you know, with traumatic brain injuries, how does plant medicine come in, Kyle? And he, he just see his whole face light up. He's like, finally. <laughs> Here we go. I think he's, everybody sit back. He's sponsored by the big pharma plant medicine industry. Like Big Ayahuasca completely has Kyle on their payroll. Sorry to interrupt. Oh uh, no, no worries. I completely meant to. No, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, what? Part of what I was mentioning with him was I feel as though I've had some very interesting moments where you know experiencing what. I deem to be like, okay, I understand. I truly understand what insanity feels like, or at least some flavor of it, you know, and being able to have deep empathy for that, you know, so that's, I think that's really important. Um, and, but my experience has been more like, um, like titrates, like drops, you know, and not so much like, oh, this, I did, you know, the, 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 the mushroom or the, the ayahuasca, and now everything's different. Yeah. You know, it's more like, what's the workout that you've done that's changed your whole fitness level? And I'm like, I gained 20 pounds May, of muscle from that one workout. May 5th, 1986. That was before I was born. Um, you know, so that's, in my experience, it's, it's, it hasn't been like a specific thing. It's been more like each one is, is, has been a growing experience, yeah. which is really valuable, I think. Um, and 
something that I've experienced specifically with, um, have you ever tried DMT of any variety? I have a 5-MeO DMT. I think back in 2006, I had a few experiences with it. Okay. Um, yeah, so using DMT, um, I've had a really fascinating experience of feeling the like the tension that I subconsciously carry to hold myself up just to be literally like sat down. You know, so you, so taking that and be like, oh, like like almost like tangible, like I could like I could feel like, oh, okay. This mm. this tension I hold in my back and this tension I hold in my knee and this tension I hold in my 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 heart. You know, like feels like my heart, like oh, like whoa, okay. Whew. You don't need to protect. Mm. You don't need to have. Like it literally felt as though it was like, okay, you've been wearing this armor, you know, as we like already described, and like we're just gonna put that down for the span of like eight minutes, yeah. and then it slowly starts to kind of like matrix itself, like like pull itself back on, like okay, off into the world. Yeah, you know, so. I don't know that that was a profound shift as much as it was like a profound like witness. Yeah. And it, that being essentially a workout, a spiritual yeah. psychological workout that you've been through, is there anything you do or have done with that to help integrate it into your everyday life? Mm, yeah, I mean, I think meditation is a really big one. So like something for you. So, so I was introduced to a song that I highly recommend anybody listening now. Um, I think the song is called The Devi Prayer. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Have you heard this? I have not. Oh, dear God. Okay, we'll have to play it for you. It's very nice. Um, and so that song was 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 played during the first uh, 5-MEO DMT experience that I did. And now, since then... I have that song as an anchor to use mm. the back to like the NLP talk um, as an anchor for me to be able to access that place. And I think that that's a really important thing with like psychedelics. Like I get, I, I get a little triggered, um, which there's probably some type of, you know, insecurity within me that, that would cause this trigger to happen. But with people that put too much weight into plant medicine, 100%. you know, and there can become this kind of like this like ego mania thing that that pops up because it's like well i've seen god and no one else has it's like well i think people that like do real things in the world also get taste of god <laughs> whether they whether or not they feel the need to brag about it right. is up for debate but. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know so that for example was something that i've i was like okay cool like you know so i i got i i got to bear witness to that and I happened to got this this novel experience of being able to actually anchor, you know, a song from this world to it, yeah. you know. And so something that has been really valuable for me is just forcing myself to be silent with myself, which is so freaking hard for me. Um, you know, like it's. I mean, that's like I did a, a vipassana meditation recently. And have you done one of those? I have not. And, I, and yeah. I, I'm very it. good at saying I want to do one yeah. and then creating so many reasons why I can't do one. Yeah. So I think part of me does not want to do one. You need the shit stripped away from you. Yeah. You know, it's like having a parasite inside of you, which I'm still well aware I have lots of parasites in there. Yeah. You know, I by no means am speaking of this from a place of like, oh, back before I did the 10 days of sitting with my, like, that's like such a small minute fraction of like the, the total work. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, but I, I think it's, it's like, uh, oh, I don't know where I was going with that exactly, but it's, it's uh, with the anchor point, that song, I got to, I got to have like a vision into that, that I can, I can continue to access back. I had a, a great point that I was excited about in relation to doing the, the small bits of work, but I think that's something that's, that was really valuable with it was just having that, that I can say, okay, it's like a compass. Yeah. You know, I say, oh, there's, there's that. Okay. Go towards that. What I heard you say is it's all Michael Jackson's father's fault. <laughs> Speaking of metaphors, but I can, you know, something, my, my beautiful wife, Amber, uh, who she has a lot of. She's like a guru of some sort. Yeah. She, I don't bro. know her very bro. well, but getting to spend the brief, which is almost better. You almost know some, you can know someone yeah. better perhaps just from like brief encounters. I think maybe not yeah. always, but I think, um, I can tell a lot from a hug too, like I mentioned yeah. to you. 
Did you ever notice that? Oh, for sure. In fact, not to interrupt you with but it, with Amber well, specifically. <laughs> as if, I'm trying to interrupt you, interrupting me. Just it's reestablished dominance. You know, with Amber specifically, I was very struck by the the I'll call it the power she emanates the first time I met her. I mean, it was so palpable, and it is so. I mean, she's powerful in many ways, and and one of the things that she's shared with me and a few episodes ago on my show, uh, we were talking about her experiences with ayahuasca and she's very big on advocating to people. You're integrating from your plant medicine ceremony into your real life. That's where the real work is. Otherwise you become kind of like a plant medicine junkie, kind of like a seminar junkie in the self help world where it's just, you don't really apply anything to your life. So you're just going from one seminar to the next and the next and the next. And we can do that with plant medicines. And that's really something that irks me. In fact, recently I did a video called the Craigslist shaman Mm. as a way of portraying what I can see is uh, the the shadow side in the plant medicine world. I think it's a lot of power potential for good yeah. and also potential for self-destruction as well. It just depends on how you navigate the waters. Yeah. And, and I think my rambling uh, uh, point that I wanted to throw at you is, is you've mentioned something you know, that irks you about uh, or can irk you about the, the plant medicine trendiness. In your experience, what, uh, how would you say when, let me ask this in a more incomplete, coherent way, (laughs) maybe even involve English words, I don't know. (laughs) How do you think a person knows when it's right for them to uh, experiment with plant medicines? And how do you think a person can know when, like, not? Yeah, I I mean, I ask myself that, that all the time. Um, because I get invited to certain things because, you know, of being in relation to some of the, the people in these, these worlds. And um, it's in my experience, which this is probably terrible tutelage to anybody listening, but my experience for the most part, I almost always have resistance to do anything that's good for me. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's like my, my sensation around that is I think it's, it's kind of a little bit like a parasite in your body, like to use that same, that same analogy, you know, like if par- if you have parasites in your body, then they will do whatever they can do to maintain their life. Yeah. You know, so it's like, cool, like more Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know, or have you heard of toxoplasmosis? Yeah. Is that the one that makes you crave, is that dirt? <laughs> no. What's toxoplasmosis? It's good for it, JP. Okay. Toxoplasmosis is a parasite that's found in the intestines of cats. It gets into mice, and then the mice are it, it brainwashes the mice to be attracted to the scent of cat urine, and then because the parasite wants to get back into the cat. Okay. And so it literally hijacks the mouse's brain and says, "Okay, go get killed by the cat." Yeah. You know, so it fully takes control of you. There's another ridiculous analogy with that that I think is just in, there's a for the show notes and then I'll get back to actually something about what you mentioned. There's a, a a wasp that does a similar thing where it it attacks cockroaches, and I hope you've seen this video. It's excellent. I haven't. No. I, okay, so I posted on my stories just recently on the on the old Instagram. So it's so the the wasp it gets on the back of these cockroaches and it injects this like it like melts itself up there and it injects this neurotoxic venom thing into the roach and then the roach becomes kind of like at first it's like whoa it's like sleep it's kind of like they just had sex in a way Mm -hmm. and then the cockroach they're all shameful and doing the walk of shame exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah. the cockroach is calling an uber so then the the uh the uh the cockroach essentially becomes this is kind of like sex i guess as well it essentially becomes like brainwashed minion to the wasp Mm. and then the wasp it it literally like grabs it with its little like wasp beak whatever a wasp has you know little pinchers or something and pulls it over into its its uh cocoon nest territory plants these eggs into the into the cockroach and the cockroach is like totally chill with it and the reason i'm saying this is because i think that we have 
I'm just always questioning who the hell's in control of this thing. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to think that you, whatever the heck that means, is in control of this thing. But we can look out and see the cockroach and see, you know, the 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 mouse and be like, oh wow, that's wild, man. Glad, <laughs> glad I don't have that in me. <laughs> glad. And, and I, so that's with, in relation to when's the right time. Like I almost have a feeling, which again, I think this might be terrible. It's not advice, so it's okay. Um, if you have resistance toward a thing, it may be an indication that you're on to something. Yeah. Or it may be an indication that you have access to some like real truth yeah. and you're more of de- evolved than, than me. Um, and you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's kind of depends on the individual where they're, where they're at. Well, and I th- I think you pose a very powerful question that can be applied to if someone's thinking about a plant medicine or really anything uh, in life they have a, a choice about. The question is like, who's in control here? Yeah. You know, borrowing Eckhart Tolle's language, like, is it the pain body in control yep. that's just seeking to perpetuate the pathology, Survival. you know, the parasite inside of us? Or is it like our heart, our soul, like our authentic self, like all the things that kind of mean the same thing? Is that giving me the call? And and I certainly don't have answers for other people. I, I barely have the answers for me some of the time. But one of the ways I can distinguish between, call it the pain body and my true heart some of the time, other times I'm just confused as shit, yeah. is I notice when... When I feel a sense of purpose with fear, oftentimes that's that's like the call to take me higher into myself. I call it the call from my heart and soul. And then other times when it's just like, okay, I feel excited about this. Maybe there's no fear. Maybe I also feel kind of obsessive, like, yeah, like I'm just really hyper-focused on it really no resistance. Oftentimes I notice like, all right, I think that's my pain body. Like I I think back to like my early twenties when sometimes I'd go day drinking with my friends. We'd start at eight in the morning and I'd notice this sense of giddiness around that. And like, you know, it's cool, young, having a good time, but also I'll notice that about other that same feeling applied to other things in my life. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't think there's much more than just the pain body perpetuating pain pathology uh, with that feeling in my life. Where are you at with your pain body these days? Do you have a sense? Is there any, what does that question mean to you? Where am I at with my pain body? <laughs> it's, it's painful, bro. Do you have pain in your body? I Oh, so the actual pain in my body. Well, sure. Yeah, man. You know, uh, I go through... I go through bouts of back pain where anywhere from once a year to a few times a year, like I'll really throw my back out in a really crappy way. What do you think that is? Do you think that's purely mechanical or do you think there could be something more, more to it than that? I think for other people, it's something more, but for me, it's just mechanical. <laughs> it's just my back. Like the pain it's, is here. It's purely right? Let me, your back. Where I'm pointing it. <laughs> now it, <laughs> like I, I, I definitely don't know the, the causal roots of it yeah. because it's an ongoing thing for me. But what I can, as I sniff down that bunny trail, mm. where I can get to with it is oftentimes it's linked to me, you know, lifting heavier weights than I need to, because it's like, okay, I want to build my muscles and have them be certain size like i'd feel kind of weak and inadequate if i yeah, lost with the warrior archetype so yeah man so you know back squats let's start piling the weight up i've recovered from the last back pain episode yeah. i know better because i've only done this like 27 times to myself and then eventually the combination of not enough stretching and stability with heavy weight training will just inevitably lead to another back pain reoccurrence so I can see a very deliberate insecurity in me. Yeah. I feel there's a lot more depth under that insecurity that I've yet to sniff into. But well, look at the driver itself. You know, as you're going in there, you're not doing it to to heal your body or to support yeah. yourself or or anything like that. You're doing it to, you know, because of some type of of, of void of some sort. Yeah. You know, at least the way that you're describing it. Yeah. 
you know, so I, I just, I'm just always curious about, like, I had an experience with um, the same, the Vipassana thing, like a, a, a very interesting experience with pain that I've mentioned on, on my podcast before, but I think it was a while ago. It was, I was sitting in, you know, cross legged position, you're sitting there, you're sitting there for like, you know, 10 odd hours a day or whatever. Um, you have breaks in between. And so I was sitting there, and they call the pain, they call them samskaras, or samkara is another way to. Such an elegant name for a shitty feeling. <laughs> It's the way they describe it. It's so annoying when you ask the uh, whatever, the Buddha bust, whatever the, the leader, the teacher, the guide, um, when you ask him questions, his questions are always like some kind of just Cohen, you know, or just like, you know, don't well. Um, you, you could ask him the most elaborate, ridiculous question. He's like, well, I think you should be less attached. <laughs> I'm just like, damn it. Did, damn did you, you. Did you even hear my question? I don't think that addressed it at all, bro. <laughs> So, anyways, so as he's so I'm sitting there, I'm doing my thing, and I have just like it feels as though someone is just driving like an ice pick into my hip. Like it feels like I'm certainly causing clinical damage. You know, like I'm gonna have to have some type of surgical intervention after this. And then so I'm sitting like, okay, well I'm just gonna sit with the samskara thing and see how this goes. And um, sitting there for a while, and then it was probably after like 20 or 25 minutes or so. I mean, this happened like many times in different ways, but this one was just like palpable, like creepy. Um, the pain, like it was like a alien spaceship, like almost like it was literally like a, like a, like a cold orb. It went, it just went, it like moved, it goes over into like my pelvis. And then it goes up my spine. It kind of like wiggles up my spine. And I'm just sitting there like, Oh, like eyes open, like, whoa, okay, you know, just watching it, like super excited, you know, I'm feeling like I'm reaching enlightenment, obviously, and so it moves up, 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 and then it gets stuck in this next part of kind of like what I actually tangibly have is like tissue gunkiness, hmm. like structural tissue gunkiness in my shoulder, and so this pain, what I conceive as being this ice pick in my hip, all of a sudden in an instantaneous travels through my body up into my shoulder and now my fucking shoulder hurts that's incredible <laughs> so, so it's just what? like what is my question after that is like okay well that that just re forces me to reassess my whole perception of what the heck pain is yeah and it was why do you think it was moving from your hip through your body up to your opposite shoulder for those who couldn't <laughs> couldn't telepathically yeah. see yeah, yeah. where you were pointing? Um, yeah, right. I don't know, man. I just I just think that there's more to the the I don't have an answer for it. I just think yeah. there's there's more to the 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 physical, mechanical like we it's it's very easy, it's very convenient to relate the body to like a car. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, the carburetor, let's just replace the carburetor and it'll be fine. Yeah. But with something like pain, I feel, and this is kind of relates back to, like, for example, that, like, the, the DMT experience was just, you know, maybe not, I'm already kind of in, like, the meta meta weeds with the Vipassana, but let's just relate it back to, to the DMT. Um, but a similar sensation of, like, feeling this, what I conceive to be, like, emotional stress that I haven't quite figured out how to untangle in my body manifests itself as um, physical, tangible pain. Yeah. John Sardo called it, he called it, I think, it tension myotitis. Tension myo. You know John, John Sardo's work? I, I, know the, never back I know the name, not much of his work specifically. Yeah. I don't think I've read any of his work, but I've seen his name. Yeah. So, so um, Mind Over Back Pain is the, the name of his book, I believe. John Sarno is, Dr. John Sarno is, is the guy. Um, so really famous, really famous doctor and, and, and book around this idea of just like, what is your chronic pain? Yeah. You know, and he relates it to, he, in the book, I think he's, he says something like over 90% of chronic pain is somewhere beyond a, a physical mechanical thing. Yeah. It's not mechanical anymore. I, I'd believe that. I think it'd be way more convenient if mechanical pain was just about the body but I, I personally think our bodies, aside from being just a beautiful gift, like how awesome are they? Aside from being a beautiful gift, I think they're a biofeedback mechanism to maybe our, our more true essence. And I think when pain shows up, 
how I like to interpret it on my good days where I'm like, all right, let's be a little self-aware here, JP. I like to look at pain as an inconvenient messenger showing up with a powerful message about myself. So I, I think instead of vilifying our pain, like we so often do in our society, like, okay, my, my elbow hurts. What drug can I take? What, even if it, what natural remedy can I take to just make it go away? Like we kind of vilify it, but what if that's like a beautiful gift? Like it's go. an inconvenient, unpleasant sensation. It's an inconvenient messenger carrying potentially a great message about ourself because it gives us biofeedback about our intangible self that is very easy to ignore. And maybe when we ignore it long enough, we need the self-awareness through the alarm clock of pain to drive our self-awareness into the deeper reaches about ourselves. And, you know, we can ask ourselves like, oh, what's causing my pain? And then what's causing that cause? And what's causing the cause driving well, I that cause? I think they're inextricably tied, you know, so you can, it's like they're all spokes winding back to the same hub and you can yeah. tug on any spoke and it will affect the rest of the spokes and the hub you know, and so I think that people can get, it's convenient because the stories that we tell ourselves around, oh, well, the pain is a biomechanical issue because I went to see my PT and it was, and it resolved it, you know, but I, I, I think along with that, well, along with that resolution, there's a really good chance that you probably felt different as well, yeah. you know, and maybe you showed up into your relationship in a different way after that, you know, and maybe your self-worth started to shift a little bit because you stood a little bit differently. You know, now all of a sudden there's this feedback loop that you're creating and your whole internal body map of yourself shifts because of that, you know, that spinal realignment. You know, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's impossible to, to separate the two. There's a quote, you know, you're familiar with Ida Rolf, Rolf? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you know I'm a Rolfer? I didn't know that. Oh, you did? No, I did not. Oh, okay, good. I didn't yeah, know you yeah. were a Rolfer. I'm a Rolfer. <laughs> Man, that's... Awesome. I'll Rolf you after if you you're, want. You're more, <laughs> this sounds pleasant. You're more astute than I thought you were, Aaron. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Rolf had a quote. Um, she said, paraphrasing, something along the lines of, if you can organize the body within the field of gravity, then the body begins to heal itself. You know, and that's the thing. It's like the body wants to heal. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's something that, that certain people may experience with something like back to going back to like the plant medicine stuff. Within that, I think we, we drop our guard enough to allow that inner wisdom to come through and say, all right, JP, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got this. Like, I, we know how to do this, but we just peel on packing on these layers and packing on these layers. But I think that if we can find that alignment within gravity, the body begins to heal itself. I think everything comes into alignment. Like I, I truly believe that your body is a, a tuning fork. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins' work. And one of his events I went to really stood out that message, you know, in, in Tony's way, which is he's big on using the physiology, using the body to change your mind, yep. you know, for the better. Absolutely. And I'm curious... Mr. Alexander, <laughs> there, or should I call you Dr. Alexander at this no, point? That wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Dr. Alexander. Doctor means teacher. I think we need to, we need to look into that word. You're, you're a, a lot of... Aaron, to me, you're a doctor. You're a shaman. <laughs> you're a midwife. Thank you. Doula. You're a gentleman. Appreciate you're a that. scholar. Appreciate that. You're like, you're British things to me as well, like a knight. I'll receive it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have uh, a couple tips that people can use to like using their bodies to positively impact their minds, their psychology? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the most obvious things I think with anything, it's like, you know, if you want new information, look into old books and like all the yeah. simple things are like, usually if you're paying a lot of money and you know, you got to go do this, you got to travel to Spain to do the, the, the workshop. Like, I think that like, there's so much that we can do and learn and change just right here. Like spending more time on the ground, like follow, check out what your kids are doing yeah, and just follow along. I love that. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, so your kids, like we were, we were joking about this before, like your kids are like yoga. Yeah. You mean just like the, like being in my body, right? Cause I'm literally doing yoga asanas all freaking day. Yeah. I'm going from malasana and then I'm doing the lotus thing or like a, you know, a sukhasana easy pose. And then I'm in like a 90, 90 position to go into more like, you know, CrossFit bro terms, you know, but I'm literally just fitnessing myself the whole entire day. Yeah. So something like the, like the, the teacher of just spending more time on the ground, I think is one of the most impactful things that any person can do. I love that. Spend more time on the ground. Yeah. You, you don't have to go to Spain to learn that, do you? <laughs> you can like go to the ground, to which the is ground, probably man. closer than Spain. So check it out. So, so cultures in, um, Around Spain, actually. Um, so like Eastern Mediterranean, North Africa, Southeast Asia specifically, um, they have minimal to no incidence of osteoarthritis around the hips right. and, and really low incidence of osteoarthritis around the knees. Um, you know, compared to Western culture where we like we invented the hip replacement. Yeah. Like we did it. You know, we've arrived. Technology <laughs> is here. You know, it's like, dude, we didn't need to invent the hip replacement. Yeah. We just need to use our freaking hips. Yeah. You know, it's like the the body, you know, organized within the field of gravity heals itself. Like if you just do those, go through those simple ranges mo ranges of motion that your environment naturally moves you into, you'll save yourself a lot of time. You know, I think using the body, aligning it, moving that that's one of the most underutilized realms in the self help world. I think in the self help world, we 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 go into amazing realms will do emotional healing and find the positive mindset, maybe plant medicines. So there's all these things, but then we can forget the most obvious thing that is absolutely one of the most powerful, which is your physical body yeah, is so influential over your mind, your heart, how you perceive the world, how you feel about yourself. Dare I even say your self-worth is so influenced over your physical body. That's one of the, one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of your work. I mean, aside Thanks, from man. you just being Likewise. an awesome person who you make me feel good being around, <laughs> I think you bring a, a relatively neglected realm into the world of self-help, self-development and human health. And, and I think the world needs more of you. Right back at you. Like yeah. exactly what you just said. Yeah, like I really you. appreciate, and we 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 have to wrap this. Are we over time right now? Or are we are we good? Uh, no, the world's going to end in about <laughs> one or two minutes. Oh, we're already five minutes over what you said. Wow, right. how we should? I feel bad now. Like wow, I greatly appreciate. Not that I'm. It's obligatory. Look at that. Is, is that a cardinal? Is that what you call those? That uh, well, it's a tree, but there's a cardinal in the tree. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure what you were referencing. Well, I appreciate you too to keep it keep it brief. <laughs> you gotta go. Dude, it has been an honor wrapping with you. And and I know, like, for those of you listening on the Align. JP podcast, oh, yeah. where can people I find you? I you forget what mine was called. I was trying to... Um, the Align podcast, bro. Yeah, whatever. So what is your... what Yours is called the JP Sears Experience. Awa Awaken with JP Sears Awaken with show. JP Sears. You weren't even close. <laughs> you got my name right. <laughs> All right. Um... Yeah, I mean, Align Podcast. I'm sure people don't go to websites or any of those. You know, Instagram, it's Align Podcast. Yeah. The name of this podcast is Align Podcast. It'll go on my site as well. And, you know, I do conversations with all sorts of interesting folks. Yeah. Ranging man. from, I don't know, just check it out. What about you? <laughs> yeah, you know, you can find my podcast, Awaken with JP series show. And then all my social medias are Awaken with JP. Find me where you want ignore me where you want Boom. so man thank you for being my brother and Dude. thank you for sharing your mind heart and soul with me today i love it thank you Yay. this place is beautiful i'm so grateful to be here yeah this is your i'm you're well you're on my gratitude list last night and this morning you're gonna you're you're gonna stay on my gratitude list for at least a couple days i'm sure Dude, and i am grateful to be on your gratitude <laughs> list all right thanks for listening Pow. 
thank you so much for tuning in that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, we got a couple things to help support that body of yours, one of which is the Align Band that people have been really loving, which I'm super grateful for. Um, it is a heavy-duty resistance band, comes along with a door anchor, traveling case, and then a online video guide on how to use that thing. It's my absolute go-to travel tool. I've got it hanging literally from my door right beside me now. Um, use it regularly. Use it with clients. Uh, it can be found at alignpodcast.com slash gear uh, on Amazon, and you can also find it at Align Band on Instagram. Um, also, we finally did it. We created the Align Method online program, which focuses on unwinding the patterns of staring into technology, essentially. So forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, rolled forward spine, kind of like just that hunchy posture thing that um, modern world is is stricken by uh, gets into how to align your physical body so self-care joint by joint from ankle to knee to hip to spine to head to neck etc really good stuff also gets into lifestyle um, gets into morning routines nighttime routines how to effectively handstand how to move on the ground um, people have been loving that. Thank you all for grabbing it, the ones that have. And if people have any questions about that, you can reach out at Align Podcast on Instagram. I'm happy to support. All right. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your day. Thanks for joining you. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. That's it. Pow.